Hello and welcome to another edition of Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Star and Irish Mirror's crime podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Healy, I'm the paper's crime correspondent and I'm joined as ever by Michael O'Toole, our crime and defence editor. How's it going, Michael? Hello, Paul. Well, um, today is the second day of uh, the the trial of Yosef Puska, who's accused of the murder of Ashling Murphy. Um, Ashling Murphy, uh, she was she was killed in Tullamore County Offaly in January of last year, on the twelfth of January last year, uh, at the Grand Canal there while she was out for a run. And Mr. Puska denies the charge. Uh, he's accused of Miss Murphy's murder, and it was yesterday when he pleaded not guilty before the court. So today really was. Um, while we got the opening of the trial yesterday, today really was the first day where we got into what will be uh, the state's case against Mr. Puska. And I just want to kind of, because we can be a bit uh, freer with what we can say today, Mick, give people, I suppose, an insight or into, because you were in the courtroom obviously today, what what's it like in the courtroom? Can you give us an idea of, of where people are seated? Um, it's court number 13, isn't it, in, this, in the CCJ? Yes, Paul, so that's on the fourth floor of the CCJ. I think it's one of the the biggest, if not the biggest, courtrooms in the complex, and it's a very big complex as well, over, I think there's well over 20 uh, courts. So essentially what we have, you walk in, and Mr Justice Tony Hunt, who is the trial judge, is facing everybody else. So he's at the the, the front of the room, or the back of the room, whichever way you want to look at it, facing the doors, basically, and he's up on a raised platform. Now, he is sitting directly underneath the harp, which is the national symbol, and it's in all courts. Uh, in front of him, also facing out and also slightly lower down, but on, a, on still on the raised platform, are court staff. So you have the registrar and you have the stenographer and maybe one or two other people. In front of them, also facing out, are the respective solicitors and uh, legal teams, non-barristers. So that's the solicitor for the state uh, and the solicitor for the uh, defence for Mr Puska and as we're looking at it they are facing towards us and the defence is on the left hand side as we're looking at it and the prosecution is on the right in front of them and from there on in you are facing we are all facing in the same direction towards the judge so those people are facing towards us where everybody else in the body of the court is facing towards them and the first people there are the two senior counsel so the senior counsel or the lead prosecutor for the state is Anne-Marie Lawler senior counsel to her left is Michael Bowman, who is the lead pro- defender, so he is the defender for Mr. Puska. Now, their senior counsel, you always tell, you should always tell a senior counsel by two things. Firstly, they're at the front row of all the seats, and secondly, you know the, the gowns they were, I don't know if you know this, Paul, the gowns they were, they have a, a small flap on the back. Behind them are junior counselor barristers at law, and they have the, the, the gowns almost akin to, you know, teachers' gowns way back in the 70s and stuff. But they don't have the flap, so that denotes them as junior counsel or barristers. Then behind them is the is, I think it's there's uh, another row, and then there's the row for the media. Now we're very thankful that that row has is, is a row of desks all put together, you know, so we can put our uh, laptops on it. Basically, we're taking those. Then behind that there are uh, family members. Then behind that there are civilians. Over to the right is the jury. Now the jury always faces the accused, so uh, they're side on to the accused. So they're at one side of the, the room, Mr. Puska is facing them and that's so that you know the you know in any case the jury has to have the best look 
at the accused. So they're, they're looking at each other. We're all, they're sort of side on. We're all looking towards the judge. And behind the, the jury box, uh, I don't know if you know this, Paul, that's where the guards always sit. So that's where all the, the investigators and, and all the guardian involved in this. And there's, there was quite a lot of uh, civilians there today. So there, there is obviously a lot of interest in this case. There's interest in it. Um, so I believe before Miss Lauder got up and outlined the case, just uh, Justice Hunt just uh, explained to the jury, I suppose, a little bit more about what their role is in this case. And I believe he said just they're they're there to assess what they believe um, and what they don't believe and to apply their common sense. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, you know, he basically said they're in charge of the case. He is there to make sure that matters run ship ship, but they will be the, the, the people who find the facts. And even at the end of the case today, if you remember last last night we reported how he said basically ignore social media, ignore the media, you are the deciders of the of the fact and you've got the, the best seats in the room basically. And that was very much a continuation of this. He really impressing on them, this is your job. There are no extraneous extraneous things. It's up to you guys to to, to decide on the evidence that you will hear. Nobody else really matters. Yeah, and I, I see the quote from the judge there from your live blog. You know, it's very, very important that you look at Mr. Puska as a person who is cloaked in the presumption of innocence. Uh, and we start from that position and that position is maintained during the case. So Mr. Puska has the presumption of innocence throughout this next five weeks, uh, unless or until uh, the jury decides otherwise. That's basically how the process works. Yes, and so the starting point is that of innocence, and that's the presumption, and the, the, the prosecution has to try and rebut that. Anne Lawler, the senior counsel, basically said that's what we have to do. We have to try and rebut that uh, presumption of innocence that Mr. Puska is entitled to. So yeah, then it was over to Anne Lawler. So yesterday, I'm called yesterday day one. Some people might call today day one. Today was the opening of the state's case, and that's when Anne Lawler, as I say, who is the chief prosecutor, prosecuting counsel stood up and essentially told the jury this is what we're going to tell you this is the evidence that you will see and there was quite a lot in her uh, opening speech so we'll, we'll go through it now so i understand she she kind of uh, miss laura just said that she was giving a, a roadmap of the case in, in her opening so she said there's going to be strands of evidence which taken together basically they say will prove mr puska's guilt uh, and then it's up it's up to the jury to decide whether they agree with the prosecution in relation to that. So straight into it, uh, I just want to say before we get into this evidence uh, that uh, this is quite harrowing information. Some of it is quite graphic. Uh, It might not be comfortable listening for everyone. So if you don't want to listen to anything particularly graphic, uh, we we would like you to listen to us, obviously. But if if you find there's anything that is particularly offensive to you or upsetting to you, we just want to give you that warning before we get into the evidence now. So I mean, she she did really get straight into it. Uh, I understand, Mick, uh, in terms of how Miss um, Murphy died. Yes, uh, Miss Lawler said that Miss Murphy. She, she, first of all, she said she was a 23 year old teacher from just outside Tullamore, and she was working as a primary school teacher in Duro, which is nearby but in over the border in County Leash. And she said that on the 12th of January she left school and she went to Tullamore to the canal to do some exercises, to, to, to basically to go exercising. And the state's case says that she was murdered. She suffered a fatal assault at approximately 3:30 on the 12th. Of January. Now, she did say in her in her uh, opening statement that she suffered she suffered eleven 
stab wounds. Now later she would say that there were 12 uh, force wounds, 11 of which were stab wounds to the right side of her neck. And that, she would say, she did say that that's an indication that whoever did this, it was clear that the person intended to kill or cause serious harm. Now that's an important definition because that is the, the benchmark for murder. You have to either want to kill somebody or kill somebody, so there has to be that intent. So she was getting that point across that uh, 11 stab wounds, and she did say there were 12 wounds. She also said later on that there were 12 wounds, including 11 stab wounds to her neck, but there were, the court will hear that there were other injuries which she said may have been defensive. But the whole point she was making there was, she was she, the cause of death was 11 stab wounds, and that shows intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it was also mentioned that there is no prior connection between Miss Murphy and the accused whatsoever. Yes. So the, uh, Miss Lawler was very keen to stress that, that there was absolutely no connection whatsoever between the accused and Miss Murphy. So in other words, they didn't know each other at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in relation to the accused, I believe there was a bike, is that right, that was recovered uh, next to Miss Murphy's body? Yes. So it is a Green Storm Falcon bike and the court heard that there is no argument that it, that, there, that, that, that that is Mr. Pruska's bike. It was located close to or beside Miss Murphy's body. She was found, her body was found on the Grand Canal way at Cappen Curran in uh, Tullamore on the 12th of January and the court heard that there is no argument that that is his bike. Um, it heard that there is, there is DNA was on it and there was fingerprints on it as well. Right, and in terms of him then, what did we learn about the accused? We learned that he is a, he was living in Mokla at the time of Miss Murphy's death. We know that he is 33 and a Slovakian national. Now Miss Lawler went into some detail about uh, his activities after the death of Miss Murphy. She said that Mr. Puska went on the evening of the, the day after, after the evening of Miss Murphy's killing, he went to his parents' house in Crumlin in South Dublin and he is seen walking into the house that evening wearing a beard and walking in quite calmly. The next time he is seen is at 11.56 the following morning when she said he is being brought out, she used two, two words, a gurney and a chair, uh, being brought out and, uh, from that property in Crumlin, uh, Arma Road in Crumlin, and he is being brought to St James's Hospital. He told Gardy that that night, that the previous night, the 12th, he had been vic- the victim of a stabbing in Blanchardstown in West Dublin, and he was brought to St James's Hospital in South Central Dublin for treatment. Okay, and I mean, obviously, we're going to hear a lot more detail about this later in the trial, but there was a mention that Gardy did speak then to Mr. Pushka while he was in hospital. Yes, so the court heard that the jury will hear, shall we say, so Miss Laura let out her opening gambit, I suppose, that Gardy from Blanchardstown, there had actually been a stabbing in Blanchardstown on the day that Mr. Puska said he was stabbed, and Gardy from Blanchardstown Garda Station were investigating it, and they were sent to St. James's Hospital to interview Mr. Puska. Now, uh, Miss Laura said the court will hear that the Gardy who were sent became suspicious about this, and they were aware that there had been a fatal assault in Tullamore, that obviously that of Miss Murphy. So they contacted their colleagues in Tullamore and Gardy from 
Tullamore were sent from there, from the, the investigation headquarters, to St. James's Hospital, where uh, Mr. Puska was interviewed. And in that interview, he made um, what is going to be alleged to be a number of admissions. Yes. So the, the evidence will be, the court will hear that at one stage, a detective guard was speaking with Mr. Puska and he was using an interpreter. He had an interpreter on, on the phone and it was on the speakerphone so both people could hear it. And the evidence will be that at one stage, the interpreter said, Mr. Puska has just told me he wants to say something and he wants me to do a word for word translation. And... Uh, yeah, now I, I, I have those quotes in front of me if you if you want me to read them out. Yeah, yeah, far ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, the just from the, the court report that I see here, the interpreter translated that Mr. Puska uh, allegedly said, I did it, I murdered, I am the murderer. Um, he said, I didn't do it intentionally, I feel guilty, and I am sorry. Yes, and th- I think there are other quotes about... I he saw her and there was panic. Do you have those quotes there? Yes. So uh, there was a further exchange with Detective Garda Fergus Hogan um, and the accused apparently told the guard in English that he was sorry, uh, that he'd never seen um, Ashling Murphy before. Um, he said that he had a knife that he used for the chain of his bike. And he said something uh, to the effect of when she pass, I cut her neck. She panic, I panic. Will I go for ten years? And that he didn't, and that it was, and that he, that it was unintentional. Essentially, that's what what, what the, the court will also hear. Yes, that Mr. Puska said. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because, as I said, I'm sure we'll hear this in its full context. But I I understand then there was a follow up interview with Mr. Puska uh, after he was released from hospital, um, and he was saying something of the opposite in terms of in terms of his knowledge of Miss Murphy. Yes, so he was arrested and brought to Tullamore Guard Station. So on the 18th of January, while under arrest, he I think he looked at a photograph of Miss Murphy and said, no, that's the first time I've ever seen her, basically. So his, his attitude and demeanor did change. Yeah, the quote I have here is, I didn't see her, I don't know her, I never saw her. First, this picture, I have never known her. Now, just to go back to, to one thing about when he made these admissions in custody. You remember that I said, he initially said he had been the victim of a stabbing in Blanchetown in West Dublin. There will be evidence that while he was making these admissions, he pointed to his abdomen, which is where his injury was, and said, I do this. He said that in broken English. So in other words, he was saying that he stabbed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, was that it in terms of the overall evidence? Oh, but no, there was no. there was, sorry, there was evidence in relation to witnesses. So the court also heard that Mr. Puska's DNA was found under Miss Murphy's uh, fingernails and uh, the court heard that uh, there was a 1 in 14,000 chance of that DNA belonging to anybody else. The court also heard that there will be CCT evidence and witness evidence of the effect that he was in close proximity to two other women while he was on his bike in Tullamore earlier in that day. The court heard that one woman, uh, uh, Mr. Puska, was close behind that woman and she was blissfully unaware that he was behind her and she walked into a shop. Then the second lady said that she became aware that there was this fella 
close behind her and she altered her movements and went into another shop. So there, uh, so there will be plenty of evidence to come, but today really was a roadmap of what the state intends to show in the case. Yeah, and I mean, there, there was also evidence briefly about um, how a witness saw the, uh, the assailant and uh, they could see Miss Murphy uh, yes. and her legs kicking. Yes, so essentially the court heard that nobody saw what they said was the commencement of the attack, but two, two people did come uh, across it. And they, 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 those witnesses will give a description of what they said was the lone assailant. But the court heard that they also described how Miss Murphy's legs were kicking during the, the uh, assault. Yeah, so uh, that, that, that's, that's kind of the outline of the case. As I say, we'll probably hear all of that detail over the next couple of weeks. We then had a break in the afternoon and came back and it went into, I suppose... Evidence is kind of difficult, I suppose, to describe in detail, but uh, the jury were shown the maps uh, of all of the areas uh, that are pertinent to this case. Yes, so Liam Farrell, who is an unsworn member of Angarda Shekona, who works with the Garden Mapping Unit, he is responsible for creating maps, and he said he was sent down to Tullamore on the 12th of January. He was originally in, in Monaghan, was sent down, and it's his job to create maps. So he did maps of Tullamore out to Mukla. We know that Mr Puska was living in Mukla at the time. So he did various maps there. On one map, he charted various CCTV locations throughout the Tullamore and Mukla Road area. He also uh, did a map of the area where Miss uh, Murphy's body was found. But he also did uh, a floor plan of a property in Crumlin in South Dublin, and we know that Mr Puska's parents live in Crumlin, in South Dublin. So it was quite technical in the afternoon. The other witness was a Garda, Detective Garda Caroline Hughes, who is from the Garda Ballistics Section. She's a photographer, and she was talking about photographing various scenes, and she, uh, including the, the, the place where Miss Murphy's body was found, and she gave evidence uh, of uh, photographing briars uh, and sticks which had bloodstains on them, and she also gave evidence of photographing a pink bobble hat and a, a two separate, although they were a pair, they were some distance, they were a, a bit away, blue Nike runners. So that was, that was, as I said, that was very technical evidence in the afternoon, but that was us for the day. The, the final thing was that uh, Mr Justice Tony Hunt said that we'd be returning at 11 o'clock tomorrow, but he did say to the jury, look, you know, I have no problem with you telling people that you're on the jury, but you, on my direction, you're not to go beyond that. So you can tell people you're on a jury case, but you can't get involved in the, the nitty gritty of what, what is being told. And he was quite strong about that. Yeah, um, I just want to briefly return to the uh, the allegation of the confession, because uh, just something I wanted to mention uh, in relation to the allegation that he said, uh, I cut her neck she panic, I panic. And the, as we mentioned, uh, he then pointed to his own abdomen and said, I do this. Um, he said that it was not intentional. Um, and it was just pointed out by the prosecution. I just think this is worth noting that the uh, information as to how Miss Murphy died was not publicly known at this point. So as you, as you mentioned, she yes. had injuries to her neck and the accused is alleged to have said, I cut her neck. Yes, and I think Miss Lawler even said that the detective guard who interviewed Mr. Prescott didn't know how she died. And Miss Lawler said, 
Mr. Pushkin knew the cause of death when that had not been released in the public domain. Mm -hmm. So that's an important piece of evidence. But as I say, all of this we're going to be hearing in much more forensic detail over the coming weeks. So I think we'll leave it there, Mick. That's that's a great synopsis of today. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. And you're doing this tomorrow and I'll be asking the questions tomorrow. I am indeed, yes. It'll be my first day in the trial tomorrow. Um, and we aim, as we said at the start of this pod, we'll, we aim to be there every day and, and giving you the most up-to-date information. So thanks for listening. Thanks very much.